What up, sports fan? This is Shaq, and you're listening to The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and ESPN 1420 app. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Welcome in to the great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather and the legend is here. Now, when someone calls you a living legend, that's just, that's, that's a, that's saying you're really, you're a really cool old guy. Is it not? Um, well, certainly the, the part about old would be accurate when they do that. Um, you know, that and long time voice right long time long vo- time voice long time voice of the uh uh raging cajuns we have jay walker on with us here on bix 3975 yeah newcott sports your home mr walker good morning how are you uh, yeah exactly those some of those radio hits you never know what you're getting into that's right that's right um Gonna get in a lot of college football with you. Did you did you see any of that Monday Monday night game last night though? No, no. That was wild. That was a hell of a way to cap off week one of the NFL season. From time expiring game tying field goal to Vegas scoring a walk off touchdown. Well, actually, he was down at the half yard line to then turning the ball over and freaking out to then getting another turnover to lining up to kick a field goal. Oh, wait, it's a it's a it's a false start. They pushed it back five yards. Gruden, all right, just get back out on the field, guys. So now the quarterback's back out there. And instead of running the ball, they just run a little play action. Guys wide open walks into the end zone. Might as well have walked into the nightclub at Allegiant Stadium. Highly entertaining i gotta tell you jay first of all the saints game was only entertaining for saints fans but god dog was that entertaining i was um some good football I, I was very weekend. entertained i was football. very entertained like, like i saw the end of the chiefs browns game which many people said was super excited i'm like look i believe you but i was not watching that game i was not gonna miss a second of what was happening in jacksonville because when the saints have that kind of day when I am not expecting, I mean, three points for Green Bay. I, I was like, the Saints might have to score 50 to win. Turns out they only needed four points to win. Yeah, they... Um, that was so and, fun. And, and, and I'm with you, you know, at no point, even when that game got out of hand, at no point did I say, well, let me see what's going on in the other game. I, I didn't care. And um, I was I was relishing, and I, I saw that... Um, that Kevin had tweeted, we got to be plus one in the second half to win. And then they got a turnover, and I said, there's your plus one. And then the, then they got a pick six, and yeah. It was uh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was awesome. Jameis Winston is now one of only four players 
uh, in Saints franchise history to accomplish a, a rare feat. Five touchdowns in a single game. Can you name the other three? Um, I've got to believe that Drew did it. Oh, yeah. Um, Aaron Brooks. That is correct. And let's. your hint is when this guy was 44 years old, he did not look like Tom Brady does now. In uh, fact, in his later years playing quarterback in the NFL, he looked like he was 60. Billy Kilmer. That is correct. <laughs> Shout out Jameis Winston. No, that was awesome, man. Uh, the NFL was – it was just a blast week one. Um, college football, Jay. I know that we're going to get into a lot of Cajun uh, football talk here in a moment, but Mr. Moon across the hall, he was chatting with me this morning about LSU and the they're, – I, I think they're in trouble, Jay. I, I agree with I, you. I think I they're in trouble. You. I um, might have thought. Look, I <laughs> I said nine and three before the season. I'm just here to tell you, I'm going to be way wrong on that prediction. There's no way. First of all, there's no way they're going six and two in the SEC. There's no way. Just to go five and three in the SEC is ex- going to be. I just don't see that happening, and that would put them an eight and four. They've just got major old line problems, and just the synergy. You've got some talented names on the defense, but they losing. Everyone talks about Joe Brady, Joe Brady, Joe Brady. I'm not dismissing that. That losing him, yes, he was great for that one season. Insminger retiring. Dave Aranda, probably the best D coordinator in football. Like now, two years removed from him. Like Coach O has been a great in his whole career. He's been a great recruiter. He's been a, a great motivator. He's not the kind of head coach that okay now let's we got to game plan differently we got to adjust within the game and we got to do this. It's always been somewhat reliant on you got to have like the right coordinators in place and they don't have it right now. And I I it LSU fans that are that were up. You told me ten years ago well, LSU fans are bitter. They won thirty four to seven. They're mad. I've been like guys relax. Like you know you're now I'm like okay you I'm I I, I agree with you. 34 to 7 against a team that lost to a Division II school the week before. Um, you know, the, you've got the announcement yesterday that their uh, their number one running back is back academic issues. Yeah. Um, they've got O line issues. They're, they can't run the football. Um, and defensively, they're not good. Now they were they were good against McNeese, but defensively they're not a good football team, and and that got shown in the opener with UCLA, and it's going to get shown against Mississippi State when they when they play them. Now how they're going to do against Directional Michigan? Let me tell you something. They lose that game, and and Central Michigan's not terrible. Uh, it's uh. It's rough out there, and you know I I know, I know a couple of people that are not necessarily high up on the staff, but that are on the staff. And I'm I I texted one of them yesterday. I'm like, man, I'm I'll be honest, I'm worried about you guys. And he just he sent back a, a thumbs up emoji. I guess it was like a thanks, but I'm not getting into it right now. But it is um it's not good. There's you know in, in talking to to Mr. Moon about it, it was just like. 
where do you where do you even start? And uh, he was pointing out, he's like, look, a lot of people before the season were like, oh, you got the old line coming back. Was that a good thing when they weren't that great last year? Uh, I guess not. You know, and there is something to maturation in another year and, and, and teams progressing. It doesn't feel like right now this team has progressed. Um, and not to say that they don't have talent. They do. You, you, but you don't have a veteran quarterback back there. Um, you don't have a bell cow running back back there. Now you've got Keyshawn Butte, who's oh man, he's awfully good. good. And you have a great kicker. And you have a great kicker. And yeah, I'm done now. I mean, Stingley will be a high draft pick, but, you know, his tackling is, and if you can't really get consistent pressure on a quarterback, it doesn't really matter anyway. It's, uh, you, know, I, I, you, you keep hearing the Gene Shizik auburn analogy a lot, and, and I, I guess I get it, right? You have this year undefeated, the next year you're 6-6, six and six, the next year you're 3-9, and nine and you go and you get fired. I, I don't know if she's going 3-9. and nine. But I will say this, I, I think that you had Cam Newton, the best player, player in the history of college football at least for a single season I mean he's up there Uh, you had Nick Fairley and then they were gone but like you didn't have like a ton of NFL talent on those Auburn rosters afterwards and there's a good bit in this team I think guys that'll be drafted and they're just uh but it's not it's not working right now ESPN1420n.com um Oregon beating Ohio State how about that how surprised were you I was 35-28 35-28 at the horseshoe. I think it's the at the, at the horseshoe part that, that got me on this one. Um, I'm not – I mean, look, Oregon's a good football team. And Mario Cristobal is already being talked as the next LSU head coach. Um, All right, maybe throw USC in there now too, though. I don't think it would Oregon but, or USC. Uh, you, are, you are correct, sir. Um, but – to go to Ohio State and win that game, that's awfully impressive. But you know, college football, the first two weeks has been nuts. Absolutely crazy. Nuts. So you've had a lot of FCS schools upset FBS schools. The Jacksonville State, that's, again, one of the wildest finishes I've ever seen. Florida State, that'll, that'll haunt them. Till eternity, the end of that game. I have a theory on that. Well, I was about to ask you, and I, I think we may have the same one. It has to do with the spring. Yeah. Yeah. These, those, those teams, for the most part, played their football season in the spring. And I, I think that that has something to do with the plethora of upsets that you're seeing with FCS schools over FBS schools. And some of those were really, wait, what? Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. I mean, UC Davis goes to Tulsa and wins, and then Tulsa almost knocks off Oklahoma State. Um, you, the, the spring season, I think, had had something to do with it. And and I think the, the spring season probably helped Nichols on Saturday. And I think when you see some teams, too, like um, Notre Dame, Florida State, you know, somewhat of an exciting game week one, they have the number next to them. They're ranked okay. I guess they're. I guess you know Notre. Well, Notre Dame's good, and then they they struggle to put Toledo away, and then Florida State loses to an FCS team that lost last week to UAB thirty-one nothing. Then you're like, are either of them good? I think the team that that lost the most despite winning on Saturday was actually Texas A&M because they barely won, but they lost their quarterback. And this is a team in the SEC that everyone, excuse me, I shouldn't say everyone, that many felt like could be in the mix for the college football playoff this year. And um, 
they escape Boulder with a win, but it it feels like they lost a little bit more than. than yeah, I'd that. go. I'd go with that. You know, teams that won that you still and and look, I think Notre Dame's the other one. You know, look, they had to come from behind to beat Holy Toledo, and um, you know, Toledo. Yeah, they're in the MAC and they're normally representative, but you're not you're not supposed to have to have a drive near the end of the game to to beat them. And so, um, yeah, the, the, the only thing that we've seen after the first two weeks of college football is Alabama's good. Yeah. I mean, you, you, could, you can have a great season, win a championship. Being consistent is uh, difficult. The few teams have done it. Bama, Clemson the last several years. But um, it's hard. It's hard to maintain that consistency and let Saban and Bama make it almost seem effortless. Now you got you got Florida and Bama going at it. Um, that should be a big one this week. Let me ask you this: ESPN fourteen twenty Scott Prather, Jay Walker. You saw Texas week one beat UL by twenty. They go and they lose to Arkansas by nineteen. Were you surprised? Mm-hmm. And they're switching the quarterbacks. Does that did that outcome make you feel any different about the Cajuns at all? No, I, no. It's, Look, if there's one thing that I have learned not to do is get into comparisons and all of this stuff. You know, you, what what we saw week one is what we saw. And then, you know, the fact that Texas went on the road and got it handed to them and their quarterback had issues, I don't think has anything to do with what we saw in week one. Don't don't take me there because I don't go there. Okay. Sounds like so. No. As a matter of fact, you're the first person that has. How do you think Texas is going to be this year? I think Texas is going to be good enough to challenge in the in what I think's not a really good Big 12 this year. I don't think Oklahoma's as good as they have been in years past. Mm-hmm. We just saw Iowa State lose to Iowa. Iowa's pretty good, but that game was in Ames. And, you know, the, you've got Texas, and then you got what TCU and Texas Tech and and Baylor and and I. None of those schools, Kansas State, Kansas, those schools don't move the needle for me. So, in what I think is a not very good Big Twelve this year, Texas is in the mix. Yes, being four, they were they were picked third. I'll be surprised if they're any lower than that. You mentioned we talked earlier about FCS schools beating. FBS schools at a sort of at a, at a much higher rate this year early in the season than we've seen in years past. One of them happened um, to Ohio last week. They lost to Duquesne 28 yep. 26. Sure did. Current line for Thursday night's game at Cajun Field is UL minus 20. Mm-hmm. Is that line too big? Is it just right? Well, you know, I want to say I, I was thinking about lines last night. Let me let me tell you. Let, let me let me tell you. It's not that Vegas thinks that the Cajuns are twenty points better. The line is at twenty because that's the point in which Vegas believes that half the money is going to be bet on UL and half the money is going to be bet on Ohio. That's what that means. It doesn't mean that somebody thinks that somebody's twenty points better. Ohio um, has struggled. I don't, you know, you, you can't get around that. 
Duquesne had the football for over 41 minutes. Now, it was still a two-point game, even with time of possession at 41 minutes, which says that Ohio, when they had the ball, they were capable. But um, Duquesne is not a full scholarship FCS team. They only have 40 scholarships. And they do partial scholarships at that school. And so that's not a good loss if you're Ohio. Now, they've got, they have a new coach, Frank Solich, retired. Tim Albin, who was the offensive coordinator there under Solich the entire time, is now the head coach. Um, you know, they lost to Syracuse the first week at home at Peden Stadium uh, and couldn't get into double figures. I think they scored nine points. And so, um, and then they lose again at Peden Stadium to uh, a Duquesne team they had no business losing to. So, um, I, do I think they're better than what they've shown? Yeah, I think they probably are. But, um, you know, it's not – I think the Cajuns are better than what they've shown too. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and boy, there's one thing that you never do. It's start looking at lines when you got weather conditions because weather is the great equalizer. Speaking of, from the Storm Team through Weather Lab and Dave Baker, your forecast today, 100% chance of rain, uh, duh, and thunderstorms, high of 80 tonight, cloudy, 100% chance of rain, low of 76. About the same forecast tomorrow as well. A lot of of water from uh, Tropical Storm Nicholas as it sort of makes its way uh, through Texas and parts of Louisiana. And a lot of rain, which means Cajun Field can be pretty wet on Thursday night. Yes, yes, it will. Now, it's got a great drainage system. Um, You're playing on turf. Uh, I was visiting with Russ Eisenstein, who uh, does the play-by-play for Ohio. And uh, we were visiting on uh, on Sunday. He is is driving from uh, Athens, well, to Lafayette. Spent the night in Jackson last night, so he'll be in today. Wow. And uh, and he said, man, can you imagine if the swamp had natural grass, what that field would be like on Thursday? And I said, I don't even want to think about it. Um, it's it's going to hopefully, hopefully that stuff will move out by, you know, sometime tomorrow. Um, because I think, you know, the, 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 the only concern I have about the game is Ohio getting in here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my guess is they they're going to wait as late on Wednesday as they as they can before flying in. But uh, but I think that the right now the issue is getting Ohio here safely. Seven o'clock kickoff Thursday night Cajun Field. Five o'clock pregame. You can hear right here on ESPN fourteen twenty from Learfield. Uh, Louisiana looking to improve to 2-1 and one as they host the Ohio Bobcats. That game is on ESPN, the mothership. Had a good turnout on uh, on Saturday. You know, Shane Vallow saying, my fifth year here is the best I've ever seen a student section. Best I've seen student section in a long time. They moved the student tailgate close. Students showed up. And I, I got to be honest, I was, I've been, I've been open about it. I mean, I was skeptical about what the crowd would be like. Um Norman, who's in tune, I think, with, with the student body at times, knows a lot of people there. He told me, not on the air, he said, Scott, I'm telling you, 
the student section will be there on Saturday. And he was right. Um, that That's where the atmosphere starts, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Oh, no, no. It's always where the atmosphere starts. And in, in, in when, that's, when that's rocking, everything else falls in there. But you had over 25,000. I um I went to the game not in the press box. Went with the family. Wanted to get an idea of what the the fan experience would be like, so I could accurately depict it on the air. Not that not that you can't when you're in the press box, but it's it is different than when you're you're doing what everyone else is doing. Essentially, by the um, way, Marion is a cutie. Yeah, she, she's she's a handful too. Oh, I'm sure that's true. Um, she was dancing. They, they, her and Callie were dancing up and down that hill. Um, but. Ain't life great on the hill when you got little kids? It, uh, sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> in the first quarter, by the fourth, not so much. <laughs> it's meltdown city. Um, but, uh, you know, no, it, it, the, the concession thing, talked about it yesterday a lot. Dr. Maggard came on impromptu, spoke about it a lot, um, called it, you know, uh, a debacle. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'll say this. There were no excuses made. There was no running from it. It was immediately... We apologize. We are going to get together, do everything we can to remedy this. Um, outside of that, you know, I I thought that the atmosphere was uh, was great and one that that this I think this team and and you know they they said look, we won the game didn't didn't celebrate after didn't feel like didn't feel great about it didn't feel like we played up to our standard. You know, the game itself, it's it's funny going into a game where there's so much talk and I'll even say it, concern over the attendance and what it may or may not be. It's almost like there's two different conversations, the game itself and the attendance. But uh, start with so your thoughts on the attendance, Jay, and then itself against Nichols, which Cajuns get, get by with a three-point win. Um, walking around outside. Okay, I, I went upstairs, I guess about 4.30. But until then, was walking around the, the tailgate area. And um, you could just kind of feel it, you know? And and there are times you walk around the tailgate area, you don't feel it. And I think it was because, look, we didn't get to do this last year. So it's been two years since we've gotten to tailgate. We think our football team's pretty good. And there were a lot of smiles on a lot of faces. And I just loved the atmosphere outside the stadium before the game. And I said, okay, this is going to be good. Then I got upstairs. And now I'm looking over at that tailgate area with, with, the, with the students. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, we're going to fill some of those seats, provided they come in. You know, because I think two years ago, I remember they had moved the tailgating spot. And some of the folks stayed in the tailgating spot. They didn't stay in the tailgating spot. They came into the stadium. And I also know that on Thursday and Friday, the two days prior to the game, that the box office sold about 6,500 tickets on Thursday and Friday. That's good. So I, so I said to, uh, to John Duga. I said, I, I, I think you're going to give me a piece of paper that says about 22,000. And as it turned out, it was 25. Um, but it was, it was neat at Cajun Field, as long as you weren't trying to buy concessions, I guess, from what I understand, you know? Yeah, that was, that was, that was a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather, though. 
to have that kind of weather in September, yeah. you talk about a difference maker. I mean, I'm not talking about, obviously, when it's a, a storm or something, I get it. But a lot of September games, I mean, look, good tailgating stuff, but you're talking about just, you're you're sweating through your shirt, the humidity. That felt like mid-October, early October weather. It was tailor-made for football. It was Everything, Perfect. everything, kind of fell it into all place. Lined it really up. did. Yeah, it all and, lined up. And uh, and you're right about about the weather. You know, I mean, it got warm, but it wasn't like you you walk around and, and your shirt is drenched and all of that other stuff because a lot of the humidity was was gone. You had a breeze. It was, it was great. It was very very pleasant. Game itself, Jay. Um, Five hundred eleven yards for Nickel State. They were nine of sixteen on third downs. Just some of the carryover things from week one. Two week long season. You got ten more of them. Two quarterbacks. Lindsey Scott more than card, but two quarterbacks that extended plays with their feet that seemed to give the defense issues. Um, I thought Levi played. Uh, I thought Levi played well. I thought you saw. Um, you know, the, the touchdown pass to Jefferson, you talk about the timing just to perfection. Mm-hmm. He dropped mm-hmm. that one in there. You know, there was some there was some good. There was some they can be a lot better in this area. But I've uh, been waiting to hear your thoughts overall on the game. Well, you know, 511 yards doesn't bother me, okay? Because you put up a zero after the first drive. You put up a zero until there were five minutes left in the game. Kept them out of the end zone all that time with an explosive offense. So the fact that they got some yards, I don't care about yards. I really don't. Um, I care about yards when people finish drives and get touchdowns. Then I care about yards. So I, uh, I thought for a good part of the game, the Cajun defense played okay. Now they had a problem getting off the field on third down on those last two drives, which is why the third down percentage was so good. You also played a wide receiver that is better than anybody else you're going to see the rest of the year. Um, What's and, his story, Dejon Dixon? I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, he's a transfer that that came in. Um, but where, where was he before Nichols? Oh gosh, I was afraid you were going to ask. I me don't. That. I got to look this up. I um, I want to say he was in the Big Twelve. Uh. But 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 he's but he was he's dynamic now. He's awfully good. Um, so five hundred and eleven yards isn't a, isn't a killer to me. Let me tell you what my concern is about this football team at the end of two games, and that's their ability to run the football between the tackles. You know they're averaging over four yards a carry, but you know Chris Smith had a twenty-seven yard touchdown run against Texas. Amani Bailey broke one to the outside. They run the football to the outside because they got good speed and if they can break a little containment. But they have not shown their ability to run the football between the tackles. And in short yardage situations, every time they are in a short yard situation, they're bringing a freshman in. Because Montrell Johnson is the guy that they're going to when they need a yard. And and he failed on that one deep in Cajun territory. But other than that, when they've needed a yard, he's been able to get it for him. But he's our number three back. And that's the guy that they trust to run between the tackles. So you got to be better there. You got to be better there. And I don't think that's all on the offensive line. 
Dejon Dixon, by the way, just signed with Nichols out of Ednacar. Been there this is his fourth year. That's crazy. Talk about, what a talent. Tim, shout out Tim Rebo. What a talent. Um yeah, he was he was tremendous. You know He was on he was on Phil Steele's FCS All American team. Okay. So, I mean he's ha- he's coming in here with uh, his, you know, senior year. You know, you, big, you mentioned Tim you mentioned Tim Rebo and we use the double negative. Nobody doesn't like Tim Rebo. Um he is an incredibly likable human being uh, and a very good football coach. And if you look at their roster, I think they have 105 players from the state of Louisiana. And the majority of them are from South Louisiana. A lot of them are, are transfers from, from other schools that, you know, that have, quote, come home, unquote, when it didn't work out for them at the bigger school. But he... Um, one of the things that we knew back when he was a, an assistant at UL was his ability to recruit southeastern Louisiana, and he has he has done it. Lindsey Scott was uh, a guy who was making plays all over the field. Uh, I think not having Farad, Farad Gardner made a difference in that particular instance because Farad is the guy that they usually use as the spy on the quarterback. When um, when they're in a situation like that, he's the guy that that doesn't allow the quarterback to break containment and make great yardage. Now, I think S- Scott would have gotten his anyway, okay? But I don't think he would have gotten it nearly as consistently as he did. 32 after the hour. Coming up in the final segment of this hour, we're going to discuss conference realignment. I have some thoughts. I know he does as well. But up next... Not some long songs, but some terrible songs. It's terrible. Tune Tuesday on ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. What's up? This is Riley. And for those of you listening on demand, you just missed it. Terrible Tune Tuesday. It was, I mean, would it be, would I be just going too far to say that it was the greatest segment in the history of radio, Jay? Well, it I, I, it was, we brought it today. We did. You want to hear TTT listen live each week, Tuesday mornings between 8 and 9. In the meantime, back to your regular episode of The Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. That's Jay Walker. Thank you, Yoko. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. That's Jay Walker. <sighs> Conference realignment, Jay. Go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you just say go? <laughs> I mean, the, we, we didn't have as much time for this segment as I as I expected. All right, I'll go first. I think Keith Gill and uh, what's your boy's name of the AC? Uh, Mike Oresco. They're going on a recruiting battle right now. Mm-hmm. And the winner will determine... The future of each conference. Now, I think 
I could foresee, I'm just going to skip right to the end, a scenario where one of the conferences, maybe the Sun Belt, you try to get more than just 10 or 12, and you perhaps change the name of the conference. It's all football-driven, but possibly getting up to 16 to where you try to put the dagger in the other. That was a – I skipped everything in the middle, but I just wanted to get that out there, and, and I, you, you're very in tune with this stuff, so I wanted to give you a lot more time. I think Keith Gill got a head start on, on Mike Oresco because I, I think the decision was made – and they've talked to, uh, my understanding is they've talked to some specific schools gauging interest. The more unstable of the two leagues is the American because they've just lost their three bell cows. Mm-hmm. SMU and Memphis ain't happy being with what's left. And so if the Mountain West or the Big 12 comes calling, guess what? So I, I, think, I think the Americans got to has to do a... Gosh, I, I lost the word, but but I think that they need to do a, a, a preemptive strike, okay, and do something to show SMU and Memphis that hey, we're going to be fine. So I think I got nothing except I think that their first step is going to try to get the Mountain West before the Mountain West gets them, and they are they're going to talk with Boise. They're going to talk with San Diego State. They're going to talk with, I think, Colorado State and see if they can get two of those schools to agree to come in. While the Mountain West is doing the same thing to them. While the Mountain West might be doing the same thing to them. So it's really a three-man recruiting battle here. No, it's actually, well, yeah, it's three. Because Because the one league that's not involved is Conference USA. The question is, how many schools are they going to lose? Mm-hmm. And who are they going to lose them to? Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the American's going to go with two schools or four schools. I don't know if the Sun Belt's going to go with four schools or six schools, but I do think it's going to be more than two. Keith Gill's taking a lot of heat. Yep. He takes and advantage. He's, and he's deserved some of it. He takes advantage of this moment then he got the job done. Well, you know, what what really hurt Keith Gill is while while Mike Oresco was being very bombastic with a lot, oh, we're power six, we're this, we're that. You know, Keith Gill was very quiet. And 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 I think they made some mistakes as far as personnel and hiring. I, I, and I think he's got to own about it. think he's got to own that. Won't happen. But let me tell you something. Have did you ever hear Mike Slive pontificate? The answer is no, you didn't. Greg Sankey adds Texas and and nobody knows about it. Mm-hmm. Okay? I, I, I think those who like the media spotlight, I don't know that it always works out for them. Oresco loves the media Oh, no, spotlight. he does. He does. Now, they finally had... A conference call yesterday in the American with the CEOs and the athletic directors. My understanding was the CEOs did most of the talking. About a week late there. Yeah, they're behind. Sunbelt last week had a call Thursday evening. Solidarity was the big word there. I, that made have, me laugh. It's easy to have solidarity when everybody's got something to gain. I remember the big solidarity co- comment toward the end of uh, 2012. 
um, because the, the Sun Belt had lost the Florida schools mm-hmm. and North Texas and middle and then oh yeah we're all in this together we're all in this together and about a month later western kentucky just stuck it to the sun belt they said oh we're going to conference usa too look out so so i don't want to hear about out. solidarity that's what that was my point it's when everyone's got something to gain you of course you have solidarity um the the key is convincing everyone it's best to to, to go a certain route because if you have one turncoat it the ripple effect in any of these three conferences you mentioned the ripple effect basically can shift the entire sales in favor of one of the three, and if in you know whichever one it does will probably be the best, uh, you know, G five and all the college football. I, I and I'm going to say this: I don't think that the Sun Belt Conference is going to be the big loser here, regardless. Um, I think that I, I don't think that there's going to be a mass exodus from the Sun Belt to the American. Um, I, could, could they lose a school or two? Sure. But I think at the end of the day, they're going to wind up being a stable conference. I think conference USA is the big loser in this because they're going to lose some schools, but many, if Oresco is successful in getting some schools out West to join them, I will say this though, SMU in Memphis they, 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 I don't. I, I'll bet on the conference call. They didn't say anything about solidarity. Uh, and if and if somebody comes and poaches them, then please tell me what the attraction is there, for the American there, conference. There, there is none. There, there is none. There when, is none. When you look at what's left, and you you go and you look at attendance, everything, budget. Like they could talk about TV, this TV, that. You lose those. You could forget about good TV money. Right. I think I, I think you know. I think that the new TV contract, because when those three schools leave, it voids the contract, mm-hmm. and they were right. getting like seven million dollars a school. Oh yeah, it's going to. It is bye going. Bye. To, yes, that's why I think going out west might be important for the American. Oh, that'll do it for the Great Scott Show. Great seeing you, my man. Good to see you too. Let's do it uh, again next week, shall we? Jay Walker in the booth Thursday night. Uh, Chris Lano will be with me. It's a 7 o'clock kickoff. Tailgate show starts at 5. Richie Falgo and Stevie P. Habit from Learfield. I'm Scott Prather. Greenies next. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Number of guests. James Butler will be back to talk a little UL. Shane Vallow for a one-on-one. And a couple other guests I'm working on as well. Stay tuned. In the meantime... Have a great Tuesday. Stay safe, everybody. It's ESPN 1420. This is a dream that I was through.